Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. Today we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2. For those of you who would like to turn there, of course it's always up on the screens for us as well. We're still talking about honor. I feel like there's no way we can jump into the conversation of honor without talking about honoring those who are in authority over us. It's self-serving, I know, but that was a joke. Okay, see, we just came out of a serious moment. Now we're, we're, not, quite ready to, we're not quite ready to get started, are we? Not quite ready to shift gears. Honor. How many know we've been commanded by God to honor those who are in authority over us? For those of you who are there, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 13, says, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake. Now, before we get started, notice that it has nothing to do about the recipient of your honor. So, who, who is it? Who, the whole context is framed around submitting yourself first to Jesus. All right, Lord, help us. <laughs> help us, Lord. We received the admonishment to be slaves of Christ. And now we're going to receive some stuff about honor. (laughs) The first thing is, we're submitting ourselves to others for Christ's sake. It's all about Him. So our submission to human beings is actually all about the King, Jesus. See, sometimes we get that divided. I'm like, no, I I love Jesus. I just hate people. How many of you know like that is not the way it works? Right? You can't you can't hate people and love Jesus. In fact, the Bible expressly states that that is an exclusive thing. Like it's 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 an impossibility. If if you hate people, you know, then then you actually need to go back and look at your relationship with the king. Because there's something actually wrong vertically. Amen or oh me. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. It says, act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. There we are with that bond slave Again, a bond slave would be somebody who's emancipated. They're no longer a like, legal slave, if you will, you know, but they are making themselves, they are actually submitting themselves as a slave to the slave master because they want to. Still a slave. Okay? So don't use your freedom in the Lord as a covering for sin, but use it as a bond slave, as a bond servant to the Lord, willingly submitting yourself under his authority. Now, obviously, we're talking about submission. You're probably like, well, what's, like, why? I thought we were talking about honor. He's talking about submission. Uh, uh, submission actually is part and parcel with, with honor. Did you know that? When we're submitting ourselves to someone else, we're actually honoring them because to submit means actually that I'm positioning myself under. If I'm positioning myself under, that means I'm exalting someone. I'm actually giving them honor in that moment. So we're talking about honor, actually. And it says to submit ourselves to every human institution. An institution in in this context, actually, the word technically in the Greek is, uh, in effect, any created thing. So anything created by human beings, what it's talking about is uh, any sort of structure or authority structure or system that's in place created by human beings, we, according to this, are supposed to submit ourselves to all of them. Holy smokes, that's kind of scary. That's a scary thought, isn't it? I'm supposed to, like you're admonishing me to submit myself to man-made structures, to man-made authority structures. Yeesh. Submit myself under man-made... <laughs> I could think of some people I'd rather not submit to. What does that mean by extension? Think about that. Think about man-made institutions. Think about man-made structures of authority in your life. 
Let me give you one big broad one. Any contract that you sign. Any legal contract that you sign would be a man-made institution. The Bible says you're supposed to submit under the authority of that thing. You know that every time you, if, you, if you're alive, I was going to say if you're a homeowner, that's not true. If you're alive, we, we actually are engaging in contractual agreements all over the place. You sign a contract to pay your light bill. There's an exchange of goods and services there for your money. Like, so basically, like in the broadest sense, one of the things that can fit into this category is paying your bills. Good conversation for the Christmas season. <laughs> and, and I would add to you, because we're talking about honor, we're talking about submitting to those in authority. In this sense, we've now put ourselves in a position under authority because we've put ourselves in contract with someone. I would even, I would even add not only to pay your bills, but to pay them on time. <laughs> you didn't know that was biblical, did you? We've entered into a legal contract, and the Bible says that we're supposed to let our yes be yes and our no be no. That means if I've said yes, then I need to execute. I actually have to stand in a place of integrity and honor the contract that I've signed. That as I honor the contract, I'm honoring the human institution. If I'm honoring the human institution, I'm actually, by extension, honoring God. So you thought that you were just squabbling with people, but the Bible tells us that your squabble with people is a reflection here, that my dishonor of people is actually, in this sense, a dishonor of my king. Boy, doesn't that honor, doesn't that like up the ante on our human relationships to a whole new level? So you can't compartmentalize your human relationships. You can't say, well, well, this is that over there, that person offended me, and so, you know, it's okay if I step into dishonor, they earned it. It's okay if I don't pay my bill. Yeah, I know I signed the contract, you know, but, but that guy was being particularly painful and you know, they didn't do this one thing and I needed them to do that and so I'm just not going to pay that even though I'm under contract. No, it, this says that if I'm dishonoring the institution, I'm actually dishonoring the Lord because we started out, it's for the Lord's sake that I'm even doing these things in the first place. This is an amen or oh me conversation today for sure, isn't it? <laughs> one of the areas that I think that we dishonor contractual agreements probably more than any other is through our complaining. Man, I, I, it's like, I don't know how many people I've heard complain about their landlord who is simply executing the contract that you signed. Wants his money on time. How dare he? <laughs> that's wow. That's terrible. Like, oh, he's gonna kick me out of my apartment if I don't pay. Right? Yeah, you signed that contract. Why are you complaining about it? <laughs> complaining is music to the devil's ears, by the way. You know, it's it's dishonoring to the Lord when we're dishonoring those we're in a contractual agreement with rather than just honoring the contract. Is this making sense? And it, go, it goes on to kind of give us a list, actually, in this scripture of some of the human institutions. You know, that it, it wants to make sure that we get this. Some of the human institutions that we would be submitting ourselves to and honor. I mean, it talks about the governing authorities, those who are in authority over us actually begins to give us a little bit of a list, like it's the President of the United States. Whether you like him or not. How many of you know he makes it to the list? The governor of the state, the mayor of your city, or the city council, as it were. We've got a whole council that has more authority than the mayor in Warrensburg, just so you know. You know? What about your boss? Boss make the list? Talking about governing authorities, talking about people who are in authority over you. You know when you sign on the dotted line for employment that you've actually made a contractual agreement that that individual is going to be in authority over you? All of a sudden now your boss is on the list and your interactions with him have greater spiritual and eternal effect. So you thought you were just dealing with people, sometimes particularly painful people. How many of you know they're on the list? A pastor, 
Now listen, American church, you need to hear this one like loud and clear. Your pastor's on the list. And the shepherding movement scared us to death, scared us so bad that the pendulum swung way over here and now we just dishonor our pastors in America. I don't know, what's that guy got to say? Oh yeah, he's only your spiritual leader. Yeah, you're right. You should probably ignore what he has to say. And I find it particularly interesting that here, that, that there's a high level of pressure put on us coming under and honoring human institutions when, by the way, this one was one that God created. How much higher should the honor be for your pastor? That sounds self-serving, but I'm speaking to obviously a broader audience here. I'm not trying to say like, you know, our house isn't particularly painful, but some houses are. But if we're called to to honor human institutions, if we're called to submit to our human boss, how much more something that God created? But but even simple things like, I mean, there's some kids out there, like obeying your teacher, doing what they ask you to do because it's reasonable. You know, the principal of your school. You know, or or, or something simple like police officers. How how many of you know they, they make the list, right? Like, And if what I'm saying this morning sounds scary to you, and I know it does for some of you, I think it's scary for two reasons. Number one, we've, we've misunderstood the intent of the scripture, and we have yoked together submission with blind obedience. And when we read all of the scriptures that talk about you're supposed to submit to this person or that, or submit to the authority over you, or submit to the police officer, or submit to your pastor, all this, well, what we tend to do is we tend to read it and go, oh, well, submission is blind obedience. And so what you're suggesting, Bible, is that I'm supposed to just do everything they tell me to do. I have to obey them. I have to obey the letter of the law, everything that's coming out of that individual's mouth because they're in authority in my life. Whether it's Christ-like, what they're asking me, or not. Whether it's a a breach of my religious liberties, or or not. Whether it breaches my conscience, or not. I'm supposed to obey the letter, precisely what they're saying. Now, that is scary, and I could just submit to you, that's not what the Scripture is actually saying. There's another word in the Greek that actually is, in effect, translated obey. This is not that word. So while submission has a... A a nuance of obedience to it and submission obviously usually results in a proper context. It usually results in the place of obedience. These scriptures don't explicitly explicitly mean to obey again every letter, every word that comes out of an authority figure's mouth. Again, whether it's a violation of your conscience or the scriptures or not, that's not what it's saying. Okay, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more. The second reason this would be scary is this. You yourselves, you're walking in evil and you don't want to be held accountable. Yeah, authority figures are scary when you're not doing right. Authority figures are scary when, when they have the ability to fire you, when they have the ability to demote you, when they have the ability to kick you out, or whatever it is, right? Like, they have the ability, what we're saying is, they have the ability to impact my life negatively. And when I'm not doing right, yeah, this whole idea of submission and honor to those in authority over me is kind of a scary concept. So let's look at these things in order today. By the way, just in case we missed it, you don't have to blindly obey your government. This is the trouble we got into recently through all the 2020 COVID stuff. And Christians all over the planet, they were divided. Oh, you're supposed to honor those in authority over you. No, I'm supposed to submit to the process. I'm not supposed to obey the letter. I, 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 let me, I just, let's just keep rolling with it. I'm going to just hang with me. You're going to be all right. Don't stop YouTube. You're going to be just fine. <laughs> I like to liken it. I think a good example is is a uh, state trooper. 
Right? Have you ever seen one of them come up behind you on the highway when you're in the fast lane passing somebody on the slow one? <laughs> I've never experienced that, but now you, I, see who, I see who it is out there now. So now, yeah. <laughs> you know, this submission and honor of the ones who are in authority over you, it doesn't mean that you can never speed again a day in your life. Oh, your pastor's giving me permission to speed. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind of. Years ago, I had a pastor say one time, not my own, but I was listening to a teaching, and he said, some of you want to be trusted with a deeper level of anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, but you're still speeding. If you're still speeding on the highway, how would you ever expect God would give you the more? And I was like, oh, God. Like, yeah. And it, it, it erupted in my heart as a season of express like to the letter of the law obedience and I get one mile over the speed limit and I'd back it off I try to set the this whatever it's called the cruise control the cruise control doesn't ever work if there's a hill around you know what I'm saying and I was in bondage over the whole thing because I thought that submitting to my authority meant blind explicit obedience of the law boom or else we're gonna have problems or else God's gonna lift his holy spirit off of me or something can I just say, like, I want to free you up right now. It, it, it doesn't mean that you can never speed again, though the speed limit's set for your benefit. Like, listen, not all of you are Mario Andretti. You think you are, but you're not. Right? There's a reason the speed limit is what it is. It's set there for your and the public's safety, right? There's a reason that it's in place. You know, but submission to our authority looks a little bit more like, oh, shoot, whoop, whoop. <laughs> You know, going, all right, linger over. Submitting to the authority means that my interaction with this police officer who I have submitted myself under by nature of the fact that I signed that license and I'm driving this automobile, it looks like my interaction with him is an interaction of honor. It looks like my interaction with him is, thank you, sir, I don't really want another. But I'm submitting myself under their authority. I broke the law, and I now receive the penalty, the penalty for breaking the law. Right? And, and I can't get mad at the cop for doing his job. I can't get mad at my landlord for doing his job. You can't get mad at the tech at Lowe's for doing their job. Though I have. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like there's more to that story that I missed. Let me just look. <laughs> well, I'll just give you an example from my own life. How many of you know I've been pulled over a few times? <laughs> long time ago. Well, one not so long. You know, I was leaving somebody's neighborhood, actually goes to this church who shall remain unnamed, <laughs> late, late at night, and had my whole family in the car, you know, <laughs> cop, you know, busted me, leaving, and there was, listen, there was absolutely no reason for the man to pull me over, none. Blinkers worked, I wasn't speeding, I wasn't doing any of the stuff, Right? He pulls me over. I said, kids, I want you to see what's happening right now. And I want you to learn from this experience. I said, I want, to, I want you to watch how I'm interacting with this police officer. And I want, to, I want you to see how he responds to me after I've set the tone in this interaction. Okay, okay. So the cop comes up. and My window is already down. My hands are on the steering wheel. You know that's what you're supposed to do, right? How many of you know this is not a good idea? I mean, going for your glove department before they ask you to is not a good idea. Come on. Hands on the steering wheel. He shines that big old mag light right in my eyes. I'm like, okay, I haven't done anything wrong. I did, obeyed all the laws. And now this dude's shining his light in my eyes. Back, shining in the back seat. What's going on in there? Chris, you can look for guns and drugs. You know, because a guy driving an 05 Corolla, you know. <laughs> with his whole family. He's got to be hiding drugs and guns, you know. And we began to have a polite discussion. 
My hands are on the steering wheel here. Come to find out, the Department of Motor Vehicles actually made an error on my title, and the vehicle I was driving was not the vehicle that came up on his report. And it's strangest thing, strangest thing. And he was doing his job. See, just because I didn't think he had a reason to pull me over doesn't mean he doesn't have a legitimate reason to pull me over. But we had this polite interaction, you know, the, the, the two of us, this polite exchange where he brought something to my attention that I had no idea was broken. And obviously we got it resolved eventually. But how do you think that interaction would have gone had I copped an attitude? Because I'm telling you, there was absolutely no reason for that cop to pull me over. Get your light out of my eyes, you pig. How did you think that would have gone for me? And do you think that's a reflection on the cop, or do you think that's a reflection on me and my heart? Well, all the cops are the same. No, you're a jackwagon. Stop it. It's not a bad word. It's okay. <laughs> that's as bad as it gets, Pastor Todd. That's just, we were right there on the edge, buddy. <laughs> In contrast, when I was 17 years old, I had a, a, a 1989 Chevy Brita, white, little red pinstripe, painted out the wheels, had the chrome beauty ring and the white insert, tinted windows, big old bass system in the trunk. I have no idea where my kids get it from. Yeah. And I had an issue with my transmission. It was a weird thing. There was some sort of solenoid in the automatic transmission of this car. And I had actually taken a trip. I lived in Kansas City at the time. I'd taken a trip all the way to Springfield, Missouri to hang out with some buddies at college at the SMSU. Something different now, I think. You know, and and this, this car started acting up. And what would happen is, as I would roll into a stop sign, the, the car wouldn't, I don't know how to explain it except to say that the transmission wouldn't disengage. Like, it, I don't know. I, don't, okay, I, I might be a car guy, but I don't understand all the technical stuff. So it's like, you know, if you've got a manual car, you put it in neutral, right? But your automatic car does the same thing. It just does it for you. So there's some sort of a neutral state as you're rolling in. Mine would keep the car in like fifth gear. And so I'm rolling into the stop sign and it would never disengage. And it would <coughs> come in fifth gear and I'm running like one mile an hour, right? And if I, if I stopped, the car would die and I was stuck. You know, it was, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes before the car would even start again. It was the weirdest thing. I didn't know what was going on. Well, it began to manifest on my trip all the way down to, to Springfield. So I'm a nervous wreck. Like, I'm just thinking, I just want to make it home. And here I am. I'm at the last intersection. And now I've got this thing timed, like, like strategic. And I'm rolling into the intersection. And I'm dragging the brake. And I'm waiting for the light to turn green. And there's a car in front of me. And I'm very aware this could go bad. I'm ready to bail any minute. And, like, like something transpired to where I was actually able just to kind of keep the car going. I was like, oh, good, I got it through. But I ran the stoplight to do it. Woo, woo. <laughs> See, the difference was back then I thought all cops were out to get me. We've, if you've been with us for a while, you've heard that story from my own life. And so now all of a sudden, I get out of the car in a rage. Why did you pull me over? I was, I was so close to home. I'm obviously having problems with my car. And now that you pulled me over, I'm stuck in the middle of the intersection. Da, 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 da. Okay, first, you keep your hands on the steering wheel. You, you don't get out of the car. Okay, so I guess nobody taught me that at the time. I kid you not. The guy puts his hand on his gun and takes three steps back. And he says, son, you better get in the car right now. And you better get it calmed down. And in that moment, I realized I was in more trouble than a stalled car. <laughs> I was like, oh, this just escalated pretty quick. Like, we're in trouble now. How many of you know the difference in those two interactions was entirely on me and the level of honor that I was willing to show that individual who was an authority in my life? The results that I got in those two interactions had nothing to do with a cop on a power struggle. It had nothing to do with a corrupt police force. It had nothing to do with people who were against me. 
It just simply had to do with honor and what level of honor I was willing to submit myself to in those interactions. So I don't have to obey the letter of the law, but I do have to submit myself. That's what it says. I have to submit myself to every human institution. And when we drive in this example, we're submitting ourselves under the laws of the land. And if I break those laws, there's a price to pay for that. That's called submitting to the authority that's over my life. Is this making sense? Honor is on me. It's my responsibility to honor the people that are around me, whether they're honoring me or not. How many of you know that? Like, we are no longer in a trade evil for evil kind of place. Like, we're, we're, we're not in a place where somebody slaps you on the face, you just, you rear up and punch them back. I mean, meta, you know, I don't know if metaphor is the right word, but as an example, I do believe you can defend yourself. That's a whole nother sermon. We're not in a retaliatory vengeance is mine, you know, forget about the Lord, part of, you understand? Like, my responsibility is to manage me no matter what the other person in front of me is doing. My responsibility is to manage me no matter what my boss just said, and I can't believe he just said it to me. My responsibility is to manage me no matter what my wife said, and no matter what kind of day she's having. Are you starting to get this? My responsibility is to manage me, even if my kids know how to push those buttons. And that's just an example. My kids are great. Sorry about yours. <laughs> I'm, I'm responsible for me, and I, and I never have an excuse to step into dishonor. I mean, if I'm called to love my enemies, how much more when I don't want to, right? Like, it's easy to love your enemies when they're loving back. Like it's Christmas time and we decided to all celebrate Christmas on the front lines together. Yay, we're having this moment in the middle of the war. Well, it's easy when they're reciprocating. You know, it's a little harder when your enemy's still firing bullets at your head, so to speak. Right? But my response isn't contingent upon their response or their behavior. Like I have to honor those who are in authority over me, but I'm also, as you'll see towards the end of this, I'm also called to honor literally everybody. And that last story brings us to that second point, doing evil and not wanting to remain accountable. You know, Romans chapter 13 says it so eloquently, and honestly, this would solve a lot of problems in our present world if people would just read and obey their scriptures. You know, Romans chapter 13, verse 3. Again, we're talking about governmental authority. We're talking about submission and honor, honoring those in authority over us. It says, for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Then do what is good, and you'll have praise from the same. Verse 4. For it's a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what's evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it's the minister of God, an avenger, who will bring wrath on the one who practices evil. You know, the Durees always say, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. That's a Dureism. Now, you, you're welcome. So it's just, I, I'm just grateful I get to share that with everybody all at once. But that's what it said, right? By, if by any other name, like, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. If you, if you don't want to have a problem with the law, don't do stupid stuff. You don't want your boss to get up in your stuff, then do your job better than everybody else. Obviously, there are certain circumstances that, you know, that are different. I don't know, it's not personal. I'm just saying, yeah, be careful, bud. But I'm just saying. <laughs> you don't want your wife to say those things? Be sweet to her. You don't want your kids to cop an attitude? Don't cop an attitude. <laughs> what we learn here, though, is that actually God endorses the authority structure of man, of human beings. He not only endorses it, he uses it. Did you know that? Like we, it, it, sometimes, especially, many of you are conservatives, you know, and some of you are like a little extra on the like libertarian side, aware of that. But sometimes we believe it's us against the government. It's not, it's not us against the government. God actually designed government and the authority, structure, the authority structure therein. So it's not us against the government. That's actually, that's actually God. If it's us against the government, then we're actually in some ways standing against God who designed it all. 
against God who endorsed it, against God who is saying he's put this in place for our good, and therein lies a significant point and one that we can't lose when we're talking about submission to a governmental authority. See, when you read through Romans 13 and these other passages, one thing jumps off the page that's absolutely clear, that God didn't design the government or governmental structures or authority figures in your life all the way from your parents all the way through the president. He didn't design them in your life for your ill treatment. He didn't design them and put them and place them in your life so that they could abuse you. Do you understand? You don't actually have to submit yourself to abuse. Ladies, you don't have to submit yourself to an abusive husband. Men, and this is becoming increasingly common, you don't have to submit yourself to an abusive wife. See, the Bible says that he put authority in place for your good. That, that the government that he's actually designed, that it's, that, it's, that it's actually designed for your good, for your betterment, not for your detriment. Now, what is for my good is a very subjective conversation, which is why we have to narrow it back down to what does the Word of God say about the subject? What's the Word of God say? Because that's what I'm going to go off of when I'm trying to figure out whether the government's for me or against me whether my boss is for me or against me, whether my wife is for me or against me. I'm going to go back to the Word. What's the Word say? And I'm going to choose humility before I choose anything else. Are you with me? Is this making sense? Because I can talk more. No? Okay. Just want to make sure. Do you remember when the Apostle Paul... Oh, by the way, let me just say this. Like, I guess I kind of alluded to it earlier. Like, there's never, we, have, we, we never have an excuse to step into dishonor with people. We never have an excuse to do that. I guess I kind of covered that a little bit already. But do you remember the Apostle Paul? Uh, he gets apprehended by the authorities. And it happens to be that the high priest was, was the one who was executing that arrangement. Okay, and What was happening to the Apostle Paul was a mighty dis, a, a, a disservice, a disjustice, justice, injustice. There we go. A mighty injustice in that moment. So he's been detained you know, outside of his will. So they're holding him for questioning, for whatever. Maybe they're going to throw him in jail. I mean, he didn't even know at this point. And then the high priest orders somebody to jack him. Bam! Punch him right in the face. I don't know how I would handle that moment. But I know how the Apostle Paul handled that moment. And he's like, you whitewashed tomb, you whitewashed wall, God's going to smite you. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah that's right, mm-hmm, yeah. going to smite you, sucker. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, I'm like, go, Paul. But then Paul is admonished by the servant of the high priest that's there, and he says to him, are you going to speak to the high priest like that? This is how Paul responds. Mind you, this response is couched in the context of this was a mighty injustice towards Paul. He's being held captive. He doesn't want to be. And the guy just got punched in the face. This is not a good moment. There's a big injustice. This is what the Apostle Paul says, Acts 23, verse 5. And Paul said, I was not aware, brethren, that he was the high priest. I don't know how that is. Anyway, I wasn't even aware that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of the people. Man, if there was ever going to be an endorsement on getting unhinged and saying what you needed to say in that moment, it was this. Can you imagine somebody, the, the authorities, they hold you down, and then some guy is, hey, come over here, Mr. Muscle, and some guy starts beating on you? Man, like, sometimes we skip over this stuff in the Bible, but I, I want you to get a hold of it. Even in this moment of, of incredible injustice, the Apostle Paul refused to step into dishonor with what he would say out of his mouth to that high priest once he was aware, of course, that it was in fact the high priest. Man, if ever he had a license, it was this moment, and he did not take that license. Instead, he modeled to us that we never have the right to dishonor even our enemy, even if they're dishonoring us. I don't have to submit, meaning I don't have to obey the letter of what's being requested of me. And isn't that what we saw from the disciples? How many times did they go to jail and get locked up for preaching the gospel? And what was their response? You tell me whether it's right. Should I obey man or should I obey God? See, the, the, the same guys that are writing this 
to us saying that we have to submit to our authority are the same ones who are saying, there ain't no way I'm going to obey that. Why? Because it's an anti-Christ law. Because it's against my religious liberties. It's against my rights as a human being. I'm not going to submit to that. I'm not going to obey that. Does that make sense? You see that. You have to see that if you're going to understand our submission to our authority, especially our governmental authority. And I would say this, using the Apostle Paul as a model in this massively politically divided nation, you and I, we have to do a whole lot better job guarding our tongues politically. We have to do a far better job honoring those in authority over us. The Bible says there's nobody in authority except for people who got allowed to be there. So your beef actually isn't with man. Your beef is with God. When you're complaining against Biden, you're actually complaining against God. That's a strange thing to get your mind around. But God's pretty serious about this honor thing. You know, and I'm convinced of this, people. If we spent half as much time praying for those in authority over us as we do complaining about them, we wouldn't be in this position. That's precisely what it tells us. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, it says, first of all, then, I, I urge you that entries and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. How many of you know he just talked about a whole lot of prayer right there? Like, that's not like, hey, once in a while when you think about it, if you just, you know, you just pray for the guy in authority over you, you know, because he needs to make decisions that correspond with what you think he ought to do. No, I, he's like, this is a big deal. Like, I urge you that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving, even thanksgiving? Like, I'm supposed to come thank you for a president that, like, is making all kinds of crazy decisions? Speaking generally, of course. <laughs> Sorry, does it come through? I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean it to all the time. <laughs> that they would be made on behalf of all men, for kings who are in authority, so that you may lead a tranquil and quiet life in godliness and in dignity. In dignity. Verse 3, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our God and Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. See, here's the thing. Prayer is actually a place of honor. Did you know that? Why, why, would that? why would prayer be honoring? Because I'm actually choosing to deny other activities that I could be doing. Instagram's looking good today. Like I could be doing all kinds of stuff. Instead, I'm choosing to sacrifice my time to make an investment to pray for those that are in authority over me. I think there's almost no greater honor than you would take the time to invest in that way. Is that making sense? Prayer is a form of honor. You know one of the reasons why we're supposed to pray for those in authority over us? Because the people in authority over us carry a lot of weight of responsibility. There's nobody in authority who doesn't carry a whole lot of responsibility including your wives. No, no, they carry none. Just joking. What would it be like? Like, I can, I can, as an authority figure, I can make decisions out of stress and anxiety, or you can continually pray peace over me in God's wisdom. Which one do you think is going to yield better fruit in your life? Like, so often we're maligning those in authority, but we have absolutely no idea the weight of the responsibility and the, the labor in the place of sometimes prayer and like deliberation and argument, like whatever is happening behind closed doors to come to the conclusions that they have come to. There's so much on it. And here on our side, we've done nothing, haven't even prayed for them, but yeah, we're complaining about the decisions that they make. They're carrying a tremendous weight of responsibility. Keeps them up at night, some of them. You know, right now, that we're in what they call the great, the great resignation. Have you ever heard that? That there are more pastors giving up and calling it quits right now today than there ever have been, as far as I understand it, in, in the history of America. Why? Maybe because their people aren't praying for them. Amen or oh me. Maybe because their people aren't praying for them. 
There's no, hey, that's fine, Benson's, never mind, that's okay, we don't need you. It's, you just walk out in the middle of people's sermons. It's okay, I got this. Talk to that boy when I get home. Pastors carry a tremendous weight of responsibility. You know, and, and I'll just speak it personally. Like, I'm not just running a business. I'm trying to hear God. To go where God said. And I have to somehow lead all of you there. You know how hard that is? Especially when there's lots of squabbles and fights and accusations and weird stuff going on. Carrying the weight of the responsibility of obedience before the Lord. Carrying the weight of the responsibility as a shepherd for each of your souls. And yet still having to deal with YouTube videos made against you and all the other crazy stuff. Going through a COVID season, not a pastor on the planet could make a good decision. Like pastors losing half their churches. They've been building it for years and years. We have one season where they can't do right and the church just walks away. We're, we're not exempt. <laughs> the great resignation. Maybe we are in the middle of the great resignation because people forgot they were supposed to pray for those in authority over them. Maybe they forgot that their pastors and leaders were carrying such a weight of responsibility. You know, I read an article this last week in preparation even for this message that even said that teachers are beginning to give up too. Man, we got to pray for our school teachers. And, and, like, and not just our school teachers in general, but imagine you're a Christian school teacher like Pastor Todd. You know, do you know how much the enemy wants to remove him from influence in the school district? You think that's not a weight of responsibility that he carries every single day as he wades through the demonic uh, uh, resistance in his own life? Oh, no, I'm going to do this thing that I'm called to do. I'm going to make a difference in my life. And all these kids are crazy and not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And half the time, it doesn't feel like he's making any impact at all. And you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm pouring my whole life into these kids and I'm getting nothing in response. It has to wait like 20 years to have the kids finally have an awakening to come back and go, you made a difference in my life. Thank God won. It's, it's, it's not just that we need good teachers. We need godly teachers and godly teachers are under assault from demonic attack who do not want them and the influence of the gospel and the kingdom and uh, uh, any sort of influence of the kingdom in those schools at all. How many of you know, we need to pray for our teachers. We need to pray for our superintendents and our principals. We need to pray for our police officers and our, our governors, the city council. We've got to pray for that president. You know, our president, he is one encounter from Jesus away from just completely, like being re radically reoriented in the way that he sees everything in his life. He's one encounter away, that's it. Are we praying for that encounter? Are we taking it seriously or are we just kind of be like, oh, wash our hands with this, let's wait till 2024, then we'll do something about it. No, we got to do something about it right now. We have to honor those that are in authority over us. We have to have respect for them. And listen, I haven't necessarily done it all right in that department either. And let me add this. I want to add this. In our culture, look, we're funny. We're, we're a, I just mean, like, we like to make jokes. And I'm totally okay with that. I'll be the first to cut a joke. You know? And, and I'm okay with the president being at the other end of that joke. Because if my best friend can be at the end of my joke, then how, why not the president, right? Right? This is who we are as a culture, right? But we have to know our heart, and we cannot cross the line. And if we don't have the ability to joke about the president without crossing that line in our hearts, that line of dishonor, then we can't joke around about it. Because we're in sin, Oh, I'm going to baptize myself, get saved all over again. <laughs> the result of this prayer is, is what? That it goes well with us. It goes well with us. I alluded to it earlier. You're praying for those in authority, they make better decisions. It goes well with you. You're praying for those in authority, your heart gets transformed because the Holy Spirit begins to ignite your understanding to the weight that they're carrying, and now you actually have empathy instead of just judgment. See, we, we, we pray and it goes 
well with us. We pray because God partners with us. We partner with God to see change happen. What do we gain by just complaining? Bad attitudes? Like, is it, does it produce any positive fruit? Okay, what positive fruit do we have about, with prayer? Because the last time I read my Bible, it said that when I partner with God for His will to be done on earth, I have the request that I'm asking of Him. Do we believe the Word of God? I fear that we don't. Because if we believe that Scripture, wouldn't we pray all the time? Wouldn't we at least pray, God, Your will be done? I don't even know what to pray. I don't know what Your will is, but Your will be done. Wouldn't we at least pray that all the time over everybody and everything? Or at least just pray in the Spirit for a while? Because the Holy Spirit knows what to pray. I don't. Right? But like, if we really believed that God was answering prayers, that, that God was going to execute His power over His will being done, and He was calling me into partnership, like, wouldn't I come into that partnership? Yet far too few of us do. Hmm. We need an awakening. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. As a side note, let me say this, and we're about to draw this thing to a close. I don't know how long it's been. We've got plenty of time, though. We're doing great. We're doing great. I'm doing exactly what I tell these other preachers not to do, but I'm, just, I get to, I'm the boss. I do whatever I want. <laughs> Let me say this. Just because the law says you can do something doesn't mean that you actually have license to do it. Okay, it probably goes without saying. I want to just make sure in case this helps somebody. Right? Missouri just passed a pot, like marijuana law. Just because it's legal in Missouri doesn't mean it's legal in the kingdom of God. The last I checked, the Bible said, don't get intoxicated. Alcohol has been legal forever. Excessive alcohol use was never condoned by the kingdom. Abortion might be legal in some other state. It's not legal in the kingdom. Kingdom says it's still murder. See, the, the law of the land doesn't, isn't, the law of the land isn't my moral authority. I gotta just go, oh, well, it's legal now. Hey, hey bud, did you, what's that guy you know? Who, I'm gonna go down there and get me a bag of goodies. No, the, the, the law of the land is not my moral guide, the Bible is. You know, you and I, we answer to a higher law, that's King Jesus. It doesn't matter what the law is, I go back to the Bible and I obey this at all costs. I'm sure that goes without saying, but now we know. We're going to close with this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. He's actually introducing a new section, which I hope to get a chance to talk to. And he, specifically, he begins to articulate what this thing called honor looks like in several different areas to include your marriage. You know, you might want to go look at that. He says, honor all people. May I make a note again just to reiterate, not just the ones you like. The Bible's super clear. It's easy to honor people we like. It's a whole lot harder to honor people that we don't like. They make my skin crawl. I don't want anything to do with them. It's a whole lot harder to honor that individual, but that's, in fact, what you've been called to. See, that all, no one is excluded. No one's excluded from this list. Love the brotherhood. Love the brethren. You know that we're actually called to a little extra level when it comes to our brothers and sisters in Christ? You know, like this is why I would choose to patron a Christian store over, over a non-Christian store all day long if I had the choice. Why? Because I'm actually called to give extra honor to the, to the brethren. I'm, I'm called, and love looks like something, so, so I'm, I'm called even here as he's wrapping up this section of honor, he's attaching now my service to it because love looks like something. Love looks like me laying down my life, like no greater love is there than this, that one would lay down his life for somebody else? I'm called to lay down my life for the people that are around me. I'm commanded, commissioned by Scripture to serve one another in love, in service. Inherent in that is the laying down of our life. So he's calling us even to a higher level when it comes to our Christian brothers and sisters. He says then, fear God and honor the king. How many of you know it's written in that order for strategic purpose? And this is what we've been talking about a little bit today. Fear God trumps honoring my government. Fear God trumps obeying the letter of an antichrist law. My 
responsibility is to Christ and to him first and foremost before it ever is to anything else after that. We touched on that already just a little bit. We fear God and then we honor the king. Quick wrap up. Submission's a form of honor, but it isn't a tool of control. Submission is a form of honor, but it's not a tool of control. And we'll talk about this here in a little bit, but because I'm closing and introducing new materials, that's good. (laughs) If you have somebody who is lording their position over you in order to get you to come into alignment with their control, you got something wrong. Submission is not a form of control. It's something that we willingly offer to someone who's an authority. It's not meant to then be subservient to them in an ungodly way. I'm not called to submit myself under abuse, which really was the other thing I was going to say. We are called to pray for those who are in authority. That is also a form of honor. Those in authority are, are meant to operate for our good, not for evil. We need to understand the difference if we're going to understand this concept of submitting to our governing authorities. We're not called to submit under abuse, but we are called to honor whether we like the authority figure or not and whether we can submit to them or not. So not all lack of submission is actually a lack of honor. There are times when you're not supposed to submit in the sense of blind obedience to what they're asking you to do. But that never gives you a license then out of your mouth to speak ill of them. That's what we're saying. And no one is exempt. We are all, every single person is worthy of your honor because every single person had Jesus' blood spilled for them, and they're priceless. Amen? Amen. Father, we ask that you would help us with this, that we would be able to walk out your word, particularly in areas where we have traditionally been a little bit lax with our tongues, with our minds, with our social media platforms, with all those kinds of things, and especially areas where we're called to submit to authorities we don't particularly like, where we're called to honor people that we don't particularly like, we thank you for the grace that is available to be able to be Jesus in those moments, to keep myself bridled as a bondservant and not to allow my freedom in Christ to become a license to sin in the place of dishonor and disrespect. Help us, Jesus. We submit our tongue to you, Holy Spirit, the one who has the ability to lead me and direct me and keep me from saying something stupid. (laughs) We submit our tongues, our life to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.